This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Yesterday, we learned that Donald Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was released from jail after serving one year of a seven and a half year sentence because of fears that he could catch COVID-19. Well, here in Canada as well, there's growing concern about the spread of the virus in our jails and an increasing number of Canadians arrested for various serious criminal charges have been ordered to be released. Meanwhile, our judicial court system, for the most part, has halted operation and the backlog of cases is growing. What do you think this means? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I am joined by criminal defense lawyer Ari Goldkind. Hi, Ari. Libby, great to be on with you as always. Okay, well, uh, great to hear from you. So who all has been released from our jails because of fears of the virus? So many of the very wrong kinds of people have been released from jails because of the virus. We're not talking nonviolent people like Paul Manafort. We're not talking nonviolent people like Michael Avenatti. We're not talking Harvey Weinstein type of violence. We are talking very significant crimes of violence, acute gun-related, uh, domestic assault-related, child abuse-related, things just sort of under the surface of first-degree murder kinds of killings. This has all happened, Libby, while the public is not watching, while the public is busy worrying about the fact that the economy is being destroyed, their loved ones are being destroyed in long-term and nursing care homes, and there are attempts to make this into a massive uh, scandal in terms of prisoners getting the virus in jail. It is a problem. No prisoner should get it. And clearly we have a problem in jails in terms of how to manage it. But the public, Libby, has been completely uninformed about the number. And I emphasize this because I'm a defense lawyer. This, I, I defend these people. I've gotten out myself 30 to 40 in the last month. We are not talking non-violent people. People who are non-violent, Libby, I would think there should be no issue with them being safely released if there are circumstances and plans in place to keep the public safe. But we are talking the release of people who not only don't care about the criminal code, but the idea that they're being released from jail and they're going to physical or social distance while your audience is at home, losing their jobs, careers, mortgages, rent, loved ones in nursing care and long-term care homes, we really, Libby, have a problem here that nobody wants to talk about because of the politically incorrect nature of it. Okay, let me drill down on something. So you you mentioned that, you know, Paul, I mentioned Paul Manafort because it just twigged on me that, uh, you know, the last time we talked, we said we were going to follow up on this and this was a good time. But I noticed that in his release, one of the things they cited was that he's 71 years old, he's got some medical conditions. So when you talk about these uh, violent 
criminals being released. Are any factors like that taken into account? Are they older? Do they have medical conditions? Or is it your basic young guys? So do you want the truth or do you want the defense lawyer Kool-Aid version? You tell me. I want the truth. Right. That's what you get with me. I was just being somewhat facetious. Okay. In situations like Paul Manafort or elderly prisoners, especially in the federal penitentiary system, Libby, people who are towards the tail end of their sentences on nonviolent offenses, I don't think there's many Canadians that would think, yeah, they can come out. But the question that I raised, Libby, which is one that, you know, some people take as glib, which is, I, I was being serious. You and your audience are home, quarantined, isolated. The people that are being from, released from jail are not only violent, but they're the very kinds of people that we see thwarting the orders. You see the gun violence still going on in the city. You still see the car and stunt driving and people going 308 on the highway. There's a certain set of people, Libby, who don't care what the rules are. They don't care what the criminal code is and what's happening to go specifically to your question, is that it is younger people being released, 18, 20, 25, no medical condition. Some try and say they have asthma, okay? But other than a few who come to court with some proof of respiratory conditions, you're talking about people statistically that are at the very least risk of the coronavirus destroying them. And you'll recall, Libby, And I'm amazed that mainstream media, but for CNN, didn't pick it up, which is you had the 21 inmates in the Los Angeles County Jail trying to get coronavirus because they know it's their get-out-of-jail-free card, but they also know that they're the ones, because of their, their age and their health, least likely to be felled by it, sort of like Chris Cuomo, who got it, but because he's in very, very good shape and a young man and no pre-existing conditions, you know, you get past it. So what's really he got happening- a bad case of it? Actually, I mean uh, that that I wouldn't call his case. Uh, no, uh, no, no. But you're missing the point of it, yeah, which is there are recovered. people that are that's Libby. There's yeah. a big difference between being sick for a week or two and the fact that so many of your audience's loved ones and friends yes. are dying in long-term care homes. I'm not a person who believes in false equivalency. Certain things, because they look similar, are not equal. And when you have 22 and 25-year-olds who carry guns and shoot guns and rape women and hurt children, they're being released solely because of the virus. They would not have been released otherwise. I think that's something that the public should be more well aware of, rather than the fact that Brian Adams is unpopular for a day, because as a vegan, he doesn't think people should be clubbing and skinning dogs at wet markets. People's focus should really be on the fact that they're home, but people who have been separated from society who are violent. I emphasize this, Libby. I'm not talking about nonviolent people, but violent young men have been released back into the community. And I think right now when everybody should be safe at home and knowing that our government is working for us, I can tell you from the inside, while I get many of these people out, and I'll do it today, I'm doing it again later today, I'll do it tomorrow, I just think there's not enough public debate about it. Okay, let me ask you this. So you're saying court. I thought court, what's the process for getting them out? So this is a very interesting question. So for your audience now to put on your imagination hat, because this is how it's happening. Picture this. It used to be Libby. And by the way, just so that your audience understands how important this is, the bail stage in a criminal proceeding is critical. 
Now, why is the bail stage critical? Because if a person receives bail, they're more likely to not go back to jail, more likely to face a lesser sentence. Their freedom is important. There's a whole bunch of things I can tell you as a proud defense lawyer about how important bail is. Prior to the virus, Libby, and you've probably seen a couple yourself in your career, everybody has to come to court. The potential sureties come to court and they testify. And the judge has to feel comfortable that these are people that will monitor and sort of act like prison wardens to their son, their daughter, their cousin, their co-worker. Now everything is done by phone. Nobody's seeing anybody's face. And remember, if you understand the way courts work, we have a, a body of case law that says, look, people's demeanor, presentation, facial expressions matter. Now what happens is the Crown, the defense lawyer, the potential surety, and the accused person are on a phone line with the judge. We're all at our respective homes, but for the accused at the police station or the jail. And we do these quick hearings by phone. And more often than not, as I said, Libby, people who would never otherwise get out because they would be viewed as dangerous to the public are getting released on what's called a COVID bail. Or, Libby, and I'll tell you something else that you probably didn't know, not only is this an issue on bail, there are people that have committed crimes that are worth a year and a half or two years in jail. But because of the virus, they're being offered what's called time served. So they plead guilty and they get out today instead of the two-year sentence their crime was worth six months ago. That's something that for victims of crimes and the general public is not something they've been made aware of. And again, as a defense lawyer, I do this all day, every day, and I'm very good at it. But it's still something that I think the public has not been made aware of because we're too busy being distracted by Trump and Brian Adams. Okay, let me give the numbers out again. I'm wondering what our audience thinks about all of this. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm talking to defense lawyer Ari Goldkind, and... um he seems to have an issue with the stuff he's doing all afternoon, and that is getting some criminals out of jail because of the virus. He's telling us that these are not nonviolent people. These are violent people. They are, for the most part, young people who are least at risk, as far as we know, from the coronavirus. Uh, and uh, he's also telling us that these are happening by phone. Why don't you even Zoom like the rest of the world so you can see these people? I'll, I don't know if you're going to a break, but I'll have a good answer for you for that after the break. Okay, after the break. Well, is it something that bad? You can't tell us on well, air? Well, look, you, you can have Zoom calls where Jimmy Fallon and uh, John Krasinski can have 6,000 people on a Zoom call doing replays of The Office and whole weddings. But somehow the court system, and I just got an update on this today, Libby, today, this morning, <laughs> still hasn't figured out how to use video conferencing technology in courtrooms. Well, is the judge in a courtroom? Wouldn't the judge be at home like everyone else? I, I, well, that's one of the things that I can't give behind-the-scenes secrets on because I'm not in those meetings. But no, we're not in courtrooms, and I have a feeling that there are 6,000 issues that everybody will have an opinion on. But when you can certainly show... And by the way, let me put my defense lawyer hat on quickly. I actually think this is important because there are a lot of people in custody, Libby, who really do have good defenses. They may be innocent even of serious charges. If we're not going to get courts open 
until September, October, November, December, I really do think we have to start using technology. So hopefully the information I was given today was just an opinion, and maybe I'll be surprised in two, three weeks where some courts on pressing matters where people are in custody, I emphasize that, can start using uh, Zoom and other things. But you'll hear, Libby, from the ministry, there's probably six million privacy concerns. That seems to be the bane of everybody's existence now, this concern about privacy, when meanwhile, most people are on their phones all day, giving their privacy away to 17,000 apps and Amazon. Okay. Uh let me just, uh, I have a couple of questions. So is there any plan, uh, if it's possible to be executed, if, if all of this passes, are those violent criminals who, who, you know, are they, is the idea to get them back into jail or is that no, it? No, no, ma'am. They stay in until they commit another crime. And if you understand statistics about recidivism, people who are released on very serious crimes are not unlikely to commit something new or breach, but no, once the virus is over, that's a good question, Libby. Let me answer it, I think, more squarely. You may have been thinking, look, are judges releasing them for the next two, three months while the virus gets under control in jail, and they're unlikely to be exposed in the penitentiary or jail? That's actually a very interesting way of looking at it. I can tell you, Libby, these are not two to three months bails. These are bails until the resolution of their case. Which, look, many people will follow the terms, they'll do the right thing, they won't get in trouble. But certainly, as I said to you before, certain people have been released that even judges are fighting with each other through judicial decisions going to their, to their fellow judges. How the hell are you releasing this person on a get-out-of-jail-free card? And do you have any idea of the numbers? I don't, but I can tell you in Ontario, and this is something that can be Googled, when you look at the number of people in Ontario jails, people serving sentences of less than two years or people presumed innocent waiting for trial, the jail population has been reduced somewhere in the range of a quarter to a third. Think that number through, Libby. If I said 3 to 5% reduction, okay, but a third to a quarter, according to statistics from the Solicitor General, that's how much the prison population has been reduced. That may be a great thing, depending on your politics, or it may be a thing that is worthy of more debate than it's received in a parliament or House of Commons or legislature that isn't even sitting. Okay, uh, you're saying that this is two years or less, so wouldn't that be less violent crimes? Wouldn't the people that you're talking about have longer sentences than that? So that's okay. So let me explain because people don't know the difference between jails and penitentiaries. What that means, Libby, is if you get charged with a crime today, you're on the cover of the Toronto Star, the Montreal Gazette, I'm making up papers, the Vancouver, whatever it is. You don't go to a penitentiary. You go to a jail pending your trial. Those are the people who are being released on bail. People who are serving sentences of under two years, they may have beaten the crap out of their girlfriend. They may have pushed their child. They may have done 8 million things I can come up with. In the penitentiary system, where the problem is very acute in Quebec, those are people serving sentences over two years. There is a real push in those penitentiaries to release people towards the end of their sentence who are nonviolent. But nobody should think that the jails that hold people serving sentences of two years or under 
or who are waiting for trial are places where nonviolent people don't go. All charges, all people start at the jail. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, and, uh, has the Ontario government anyway, anyway, try, has there been anything from the government to address this? Uh, no, but for, the, you can see Trudeau has commented on this, saying, I've read the reports, there's human rights groups that are suing, there are civil liberty groups that are suing, because their view is nobody should be in prison right now, given the outbreak of the coronavirus, but nobody seems to have a solution to this. You see people you know, saying it's in, uh, inhumane to keep people who are in jails that have been exposed in their cells. That is true. Solitary confinement and being locked up 23 and a half hours a day is inhumane. But we are in the middle of a world crisis, Libby, that I could come up with a thousand examples of things that are inhumane. And each and every one of the news stories on this subject, where it suggests that everybody should be released from jail, you know, all but for the worst of Paul Bernardo should be let out. Well, that's not going to fly. The question becomes, if people are behind bars for a reason, what does it say about our correction system that they can't be kept safe? It may not be a good comment on it, even though this all came abruptly, because as we all know, the World Health Organization and China's Communist Party covered this up for a month. Well, yeah, that's a whole other issue. I agree with you. But there's a reason, Libby, that I say Mm. that, because this is something that took everybody by surprise. This wasn't two years in the making where you could say, look, everybody had a chance to come up with a great solution here. We could have put all these inmates in the Four Season Hotel in Yorkville, Toronto. This is something that people are dealing with day by day. And I'm sorry. You know, there are priorities here. What should be more of a priority, the jails or long-term care homes? That's an interesting question. Now, you can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. The question is, if they're not going to be in jail, but we agree they're dangerous, where should they be? And you'll note in all of the coverage of this, where all the people saying, let my people out, let my people out, nobody seems to have a suggestion of what the solution is. So until there is one... And I said months ago, months ago, stop putting new inmates into existing jails. That's how you bring the virus in and be very careful about the guards who come in, because they might inadvertently spread it once they go home to their families. And lo and behold, in Quebec, Libby, you've seen that the biggest epidemic and outbreak in the Quebec penal system is the corrections officer who went home to his family, came back to work, and now somewhere around 100 people are infected in his prison. Okay, let's uh, take a couple of calls here. We've got Rosie in Guelph. Hello, Rosie. Oh, hi, Libby and Ari. I just wanted to say that this is actually quite outrageous. And I do notice, I actually did notice, too, the parallels between the long-term and the prison. And I would really like to know the figures because we can't seem to save the long-term care residents, but we certainly seem to be doing everything we can for violent prisoners. And I don't have a problem with that American dude getting out even six years early because he's a nonviolent criminal. It's all kind of white collar crime. But these other people are dangerous to society. And I actually think that the court system is really broken and perhaps we should, uh, I really find it strange that I'm even going to say anything like this because I'm not really pro-American, but 
perhaps it's time we started voting our judges in instead of letting them stay there forever and do whatever the hell they want and not be accountable at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Rosie, thanks for your call. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is concerning and right. This is not something that anyone has focused on. I did notice recently all these, uh, advocates saying, get those people out of jail. Uh, but, um, you make a very good point. I mean, you know, um, there's a similar problem in other congregate settings like our homeless shelters. And a lot of people who would be in homeless shelters are being put into hotels. Presumably they're not violent. Uh, so that's that. I don't, I don't know if we'd want to put, put our, the, those prisoners into hotels. Well, here's the, here's another way of looking at it, Libby. And let's see if this resonates with your audience. Do we take the view that there's nobody in this society that should be behind bars? Do we take that view? If we take that view, then all of these advocates who make their livings, as I make my living doing a certain thing, I'm an advocate, I do this because I make a living. But are we now getting to the point where nobody can take the fundamental premise that certain people are so dangerous or incorrigible that they don't belong behind bars? And if it becomes the answer that, you know, because of the virus, it should be a big, huge, fat, get-out-of-jail-free card. That just seems absolutely ludicrous to me. Well, I, I don't think that, that people would say that. Now, I want to take another call, but this is sort of a housekeeping question, Ari. If mm-hmm. I want to drill down on the number, is that the Solicitor General or the Attorney yes, General? Ontario Solicitor General. Okay, Sylvia Jones is uh, going to get some questions from us. Uh, let us hear from James in Toronto. Hi, James. Hello, Libby. Hi, Ari. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Um, I'm just calling on behalf of a friend, actually. Uh, a friend of That's mine, he, uh, he had an intermittent sentence at the Toronto South. Yeah. Um, but he, had a, he didn't attend, so he had an unlawfully at-large charge, which he still has a warrant for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, if he was to turn himself in... Would he uh, be released right from the station, or would he still have to do a show cause hearing? I will not, because I think Libby will tell you no lawyer who's worth his or her salt should give any answer without knowing more about it. I'm going to take your question in a different direction now. There are people who have intermittent sentences, and just for people to know what that means, you get to be out in the community from Monday to Friday, you turn yourself into the jail Friday night, and you stay till Monday morning. What happens now is people who are serving those sentences or get those sentences, they don't even have to go to the jail anymore. They stay home in the community so long as they're home in their house, where, by the way, Libby, last time I checked, we're all supposed to be. Exactly. It's it's just like what everyone else is doing. That's correct. So right back to where I was, look at the way the system is dealing with issues now, and that's fine. Look, we don't have time to get into that. But to your caller's question, your friend... And again, I always like when people say, I'm calling on behalf of a friend. Or when, or when they call a sex therapist, they say, I'm calling for a friend. But I digress. In any event, what should happen is, without any doubt, and I think any lawyer should tell you this, somebody should always turn themselves in when there's a warrant wanted for them. Crowns right now, Libby, and again, remember, I'm a defense lawyer, but I'm giving you this answer. Crowns right now are very, very reasonable. They really have been instructed to take into account this virus. And nine times out of ten, if somebody can be properly or safely released, they will be. But my view as a defense lawyer is you're always better turning yourself in than having the cops find you on the street. Okay, James, does that answer your question for your friend? 
James? Okay. We're going to assume uh, he's uh, silent, okay? I hope Or that didn't it. like my answer. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I hope that answered his question. Thanks for your call. Uh, we have another question. I'm actually going to – this is uh, another uh, question that I see on our board. I'll just ask you. So they want to know, so why, why are you doing what you do if you uh, don't approve of it, the, the, getting these people out of jail? I'll tell you why. That's a great question. And Libby, I don't know if we have 30 seconds, 60 seconds, but it's a, it's a relatively – Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a relatively deeper and more interesting question, but let me give it a short one. I do things because I believe every person – shouldn't just be faced with the best crown attorney, the best police officers, and a judge or jury who may be predetermined at times to think they're guilty. My pride in what I do, and I'll, I'll make this basically the crux of my answer to your caller, is so long as each person charged with something has somebody fighting tooth and nail for them, I don't determine the result. I'm just an advocate. But my belief in a fair fight in a Western world society, given that we're not going to look like a Western world society anymore, particularly after what's been done to us from other parts of the world, my view is that everybody, worst of the worst, should always have somebody capable and competent fighting tooth and nail for them. But just the fact that I think there are problems in the system or things are screwed up doesn't mean that if somebody called me right now violent, wanting to get out, I wouldn't put an argument before a court that was extremely compelling and likely to win because I believe that's what advocacy is about. Okay. Uh, and that is, um, you know, just about the time we had. This has been really interesting, Ari, and we are going to follow up, probably not till after the long weekend, with the Solicitor General, uh, because this is something of interest to all of us, and I appreciate your bringing it to our attention. Thank you. Pleasure, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.